Hi everyone, my name is Eduardo and together with Erika I will be hosting the Ghost Lemurs of Madagascar podcast. This podcast will focus on collectives and groups that work with political action, with field reproduction and with artistic practice. We will be looking into a series of collectives that works with these things and we will try to approach critical theory uh, to look into to their activities. We will be starting with the CCRU and today we're going to make an introduction on the concepts of hyperstition. Uh, we will be presenting a little bit of how William Burroughs relates to this and we hope to engage everyone and keep following the next episodes where we will keep commenting on the CCIU and then move on to other collectives as well. I am an artist based in Curitiba. I've been living some years here. I work with video, painting, cinema and theater. And I hope that you can join us while we comment and analyze these collectives and groups. Hello, I am Erika and I am also a visual artist. I work with performance, with video and uh, some other things. And today we are going to talk about um, the CCRU writings from 1997 to 2003 and we will uh, discuss uh, the parts 1 and 2 of the book and also talk about how the, how the group is organized and who are the people who created the group and so on. Yes, our first episodes will focus then on CCRU. Uh, for someone who doesn't know, the CCRU uh, stands, it's an acronym that stands for Cybernetics Center Research Unity. The CCRU um, became um, widely famous in some kind of niche theory, at least, uh, because of their unorthodox practices uh, in, in, in while producing theory, in their activities at the University of Warwick. Some of its main members, we could say, were the philosopher and researcher Sadie Plant, which is the first person who's responsible for the group's organization, Nick Land, who's also a philosopher which was based at the University of Warwick, Mark Fisher, uh, which uh, is partially the reason why we're here today, since this idea springs from a study group and reading group on Mark Fisher's post-capitalist desire. Code uh, Weshum, who is a theoretician and uh, a music journalist, and Code Nine, who is the owner and founder of the Hyperdubs label. So, what we are seeing is the CCRU writings, as Erika said, it's a kind of compendium of all of their literature. Uh, they used to publish this kind of text on a journal called Abstract 
abstract culture. You can find some of the main texts of abstract culture at the at their website, the ccru.net. It's still up and we highly recommend anyone to go into the site and see a little bit how the internet was in the past because you find plenty of material of the CCRU there. Um, so, as Erica said as well, we are focusing on the first two parts. Uh, they are very... I, I think they are easy to read in a sense that they are more literary, but still they are very loaded with a lot of new terminologies and words, so it's it's kind of a, a funny and interesting reading. Um, what have you thought about uh, your experience with the, these first texts, Erica? What stood out for you? How you think? Uh, what are some of maybe the main concepts that we will be talking today? Focusing the parts one and two of the book, as an overall look, they are organized by short texts which some of them have signatures and others do not. This authorship dynamic through the text emphasizes a role played all along the narratives. Is this real? I asked myself many times. The non-authors, just like Justin Morrison, for example, in her essay, I was a CCU meat puppet, she describes the group as sort of satanic organization, involving people like Bill Gates in their ritual. The MSN Butterfly Project, for example, was part of the satanic meetings, as she writes. After violating me repeatedly in the butterfly position, he took me down into a laptopita hall. It was long and narrow, walled by shelves of a meticulously numbered jars. Each jar contained a butterfly. At first, I thought they were preserved specimens, until I noticed they were moving slightly opening and closing the wings. Why don't they die? I asked it. They can die while the puppet's lives, he replied. Well, it took me time to understand what was real or not. If all these authors were created or quoted, also part of the fiction. Was the text of Just Justine really written by her? Or was it created by the group in order to develop in order to develop a cyber-sorcery imaginary around the collective. In fact, we'll never know, but this doubt is intentionally articulated, or what CCRU named as... Eu vou ler essa parte de novo, tá? In fact, we will never know, but this doubt is intentionally articulated, or what CCRU named as hyperstition. Hyperstition is an element of effective. <coughs> is an element of effective culture that make itself real, through fictional quantities functioning as thrive as time traveling potentials. Hyperstition operates as a coincidence intensifier, affecting a call to old ones. Hyperstition is a suspension of reality and fiction, opening a path for magical narratives, turning the fiction real. They didn't want only to play with, re with reality, but to completely inhabit the fiction. Yeah, I would like to, to read um, uh, 
an excerpt, an excerpt from the Communique One because uh, an interesting movement that um, me and Eric has perceived while reading this material is how uh, how they use the idea of hyperstition, right? Because they're not only theoretically building this idea of how fiction and theory shouldn't be they sh they shouldn't be se uh, separated, but they should be seen like as things that are at least equivalent or in a constant dialogue. But they also the way that they talk about themselves is full of fiction, right? And then they are already putting in practice in their writing the idea, the theory that they are pursuing. In this, in this second, yeah, I would say it's the second text. Uh, uh, first, you have the foreword, then you have the tale of the end. This tale of the end is it's very intriguing and it's written in a mythological way. This is something that it's going. It's like a constant throughout the the book. As you progress, you're gonna see that some of these creatures, these beings, which are heavily based on Lovecraftian terminology and mythology, they they seem to be like a a, a sort of triggering effect for what is happening. It's almost like they put on these monsters or these beings. On being the responsible for what is happening through superstition, and then at uh, the first text in identity, you have this uh, CCIU retrochronically retro triggers itself from October 1995, using a UK university as a temporary habitat. It, its emergence is sequenced and accelerated by a series of singularities, Barker thresholds, the virtual futures conferences. Spring 1994, 1995, 1996, The Orphan Drift, Cyber Positive Book, 1995, The Collapse Journal, 1995, 1996, The Afrofuturist Event, February 1996, The Collapse Breakbeat Experimentation Zone, The Virotechnics Event, October 1997, and The Switch Orphan Drift Collaboration, Beaconsfield Art Center, London Autumn. Um, so we see here already how they're they're using this. I think it's immensely creative and it's like this kind of literary flair when you read it. But they are saying retro, retro chronically, right? So they are almost putting their activity like it's something coming from the future. We see on on much of these passages that. The difference of future, past, and present—they are always in tension. They are always being pressured in some way, as if the CCRU was seeking in a kind of thinking and a kind of practice that wouldn't limit itself to time. And time is going to be like this constant theme, right, through this uh, this first. Uh, this first text. Every time that they are talking about superstition, they also mention the future and how the future has this potential for for fiction exactly because it isn't predetermined. It's always on the open. So they they seem to always play superstition in a very complex time relation, right? Superstition is not something from the past. It doesn't come 
from one place, but it, like it spreads itself in into a lot of different times, right? And a lot of different characters as well. In this in this sense, uh, Eduardo, there is this passage, uh, this the story that uh, William Burroughs was one of the characters of the story, and um, it's really interesting because in this passage with William Burroughs where he inter where he um, operated in the past as uh, he that he actually had effect in something that already passed uh, in the text uh, I will read uh, just a passage so make maybe makes easier in this sense in the tale Lemurian time war the writer William Burroughs in is the main character. He operates in the past through another person, the Captain Mission, who lived many centuries earlier than Boros. I will read, uh, read, uh, I will read a short part of the text. The Ghost Lemurs of Madagascar, which he also referred to as Boros Necronomicon, a text dating from 1987, had been a exactly and decisive influence on the magical and military career of the Captain Mission, three centuries previously. Mission appears in historical record as an ocean pirate active in the period around 1700 AD. He was to become renowned as the founder of anarchist colony of Libertatia, established on the island of Madagascar. Keo asserted that he had personally encountered clear evidence of Burroughs' impact upon mission at the private library of Peter Vasparov, where Keo worked most of his life. The Vasparov collection he unswervingly maintained held an ancient illustrated transcript of the ghost lemurs of Madagascar, inscribed meticulously in mission's own hand. This is from the the text on Burroughs, right? The, the the many sequences on Burroughs, right? Yes. We must remember that these these texts they are all told from this enigmatic figure that they call William K, right? Uh, William K is like this agent, uh, this agent from the board. We're going to see uh, in this text how the board stands for a kind of total control order uh, and then William K is presented as this person that appears for the CCRU and tries to rescue everything of William Burroughs' life uh, giving the archives and writings to them. Um, I, f I find it, the, the choice of Burroughs very interesting. It's been like a long time that I, <laughs> I've read him. Uh, I've read Naked Lunch and a little bit of some of his other books, but the the Justine Morrison piece, the I was a CCRU pit, uh, puppet meat, it's like completely written as a kind of Lovecraftian tale, and they don't even try to hide this because they are gonna try talk extensively extensively about Lovecraft, and then you have this presentation on Burroughs, and I feel that they are like bringing Burroughs in the sense that. In, in a little bit of a different sense, but certainly inspired by how Deleuze talks on Burroughs on societies of control, on po post of societies on, of control. 
and he uses Burroughs as the example of someone that tried to to break away from control, right? Control here with a capital C. Control was not simply the word control or the idea of control, but uh, a word uh, a word control, like a ta and in the case of the CCRU. They bring then Captain Mission, which is one of Burroughs' characters, right? And they, they always are, are working with this idea of the shadow or the double or the twin. Uh, it's on this idea that uh, Captain Mission and Burroughs are the same person, or in some way they are living in different times and different contexts, the same thing, right? I feel like this is where they, they want to to point as how if Burroughs was just uh, in some way documenting what was his life on fiction. Like he wrote fiction, but he still wrote it on himself. And like he, at the same time he was, he was writing this, he was living and acting as this character, right? Exactly. And just to continue, this meeting of Burroughs and Captain Mission leads to another knowledge of time non-chronological, but spiral. 1987 is, in fact, the eye of spiral templex, or a time anomaly, in the words of the collective. This makes me think that the break in the, into the linear narrative, non-exclusive of CCRU, proposes to get to something we haven't lived yet. This time rupture between those two different perspectives is also reading the text as a word of time. The chronology follows the cosmology of one god universe that monopolizes and dominates upon the magical power of the world, controlling all these possibilities, diversity, reality, ghosts and entities. Because the spiral time not only opens our minds and experience, but makes us see that many realities are happening currently. Those discussions are present among all their productions. Yes, I feel like the the example of, of Burroughs and then he, he actively uh, wrote on control, right? He, he was writing about this as like a, a concept as well. And you have this one, one God universe concept, which I think is very interesting because it seems like they are taking this from Burroughs as well. But they are talking about, um, I mean, we could find many words to, to talk about this, but I think that One God Universe really, really helps you on how to, to grasp with the concept. Because it's how uh, this principle of reality, we could say, or this kind of naturalization of a certain status quo of order kind of uh, assimilates everything that is dissident everything that is different, everything that breaks away from chronological time is essentially captured by the board, by these agents that can cross universes and dimensions. And then they bring this idea that uh, you have this um, final meta-narrative which assimilates and regulates everything. And I think that you could easily point this as capital or as these late bizarre uh, stages of capitalism, um, they say they are not talking on metaphors. This is like a, one of the strongest points that uh, you feel in the writing, like we're not talking on metaphors, but we are rather trying to 
bring a kind of revolutionary theoretical practice. So even though they are using this idea which seems very similar to to what would be a capitalism control, they still don't want to to go retort the idea of being purely a metaphor. They want to think on how these concepts they can gain like almost an alien and independent life and how they can feed from people and ideas and societies to make them happen, right? I think this is like a a good uh, a good idea on how superstition can work. It's like this idea that disseminates to everyone and it's not only good, they're trying to, to do in a certain way what we, we could call like positive uh, superstition, a superstition that breaks away from the norm, but how time or capital or society or control works, it's always through superstitional practice, right? They are, uh, they're always spreading itself through the recreation and the, of their own ideas. They always have a, a strong fictitious quality there is this this excerpt on the beginning in which they say that there is no difference between a hoax, a religion, and a society. And I think this probably encapsulates this whole idea that you have always a level of fiction in everything. And I, I, I don't know, as an artist, looking to this kind of outlook and trying to posit Burroughs as someone that wasn't only doing experimental art, Right, they say. Well, people will always try to to reterritorialize reter Burroughs as some kind of postmodern writing, as some kind of experimental data. But he he is actively trying to break away from this order. Right, he's trying to to make a kind of writing that can free, as utopian as this sounds, that can try to free people from the constraint of time. And I like how they go a little bit about this and his writing technique of using montage and of using the cut-ups. Sometimes you would get like fold a page into the other, so you would have like a part uh, which would be I don't know page uh, 110 to get spliced together with page five. So I think that Burroughs might be a kind of example on how we can think on practices that they are not going for unity or for realist presentation, but they are going from this kind of fragmentary way of working, right? We have many examples of montage or collage in, in other mediums as well, right? That try to, to break away from this only way of seeing time, this linear time. Yes, because... Uh, the this linear time is totally connected with language and how we and how we we create and how we understand the entire world so the collage it's it's a very famous uh, technique actually to try to break uh, this structure and and break the language and and play actually with this rationale linear way and uh, when you were um, talking about this I found uh, another passage in this text that is about writing as well and I will read it so writing operates not as a passive representation but an active as uh, 
but as an active agent of transformation and a gateway through which entities can emerge. By writing a universe, the writer makes such a universe possible. And I think it's very related to the situation of Boros when you said um, about reality, because it's not only uh, making a metaphor or um, uh, describing a reality, but it's understanding art and, and the literature as, as a tool to, to change the way we, we think. And, um, and I, and I, I think uh, the collective try to do this as well, not only in literature, but uh, with, with their practice, with their meeting and with their events and performance and collage uh, with projection and performance at the same time. And I think somehow it's also connected to to how we embody it, this experience of non-linear uh, narratives. Yes, I feel like the, the, the other thing that, that attracts me a lot uh, in the sense on how they try to play with this idea, it's how and this is strongly <laughs> related to contemporary art, I, I would say, it's this idea that you can work with many mediums, right? They, they, they emphasize this, and later on the work of Fisher or the work of Kod Weshun, we will see how much they place value in music, for instance, right? There, there is this, this breakaway of the CCRU from um, a kind of um watch what how could we describe this it's like this super rigid academic way of thinking of theory and like no we should try to make a kind of superstitional practice and something that spreads like a virus the virus is something that is constantly brought up right they even have one one of their events which is called virotechnics and they say that they they choose this kind of popular mediums not because they think they are oppressed, but because they think they have like a strong um, driving force of contamination. So for they don't use this word. I don't know if it, it was common to use at the time, but it's very trendy right now. But for me, it's pretty much they're trying to hack into culture, right? Their their practice for me seems like a practice of hacking into um, rave events, hacking into exhibition spaces with the Orphan Drift Collective that we will get in detail soon, uh, hacking into the way, uh, uh, into the Warwick University and trying to create some kind of space or group or event which didn't exactly have this productive or academic end right mm -hmm. yes one of the, the the other things that i would like to to think on the the burroughs texts especially uh on the the rift part it's the this idea which also gives the name of the podcast which is the idea of the lemur and this is strongly took from Burroughs' own writings and, well, they are talking before 
this moment. They are talking about how the Lemurians would be this esoteric uh, society which existed before our, our civilization. And then in the end of the Burroughs segment, they go into detail on how Burroughs saw Lemurs. And Lemurs, they kind of gain this other sense of being ghostly creatures, right? And, yeah, uh, I think this word ghost is also um, very anachronic in this way that the ghost uh, can pass through time and that the ghost actually is always anachronic because it doesn't belong to the time uh, where it's supposed to be or, or it's uh, locked in another time zone. And, and they have this really um, approach narrative with the Lemurs, Lemurs of Madagascar that they mention and all the time as a sort of um, a sort of gate or some uh, or some sort of civilization key uh, that um, continues to come along even though they don't exist anymore yes the lemur is seen as a kind of revelation for burrows like he sees himself as a lemur in one in one of the the passages and i don't know for me it's entirely funny this idea of lemurs as these super um, supernatural creatures but i really like the idea of the ghost as well i think this this also taps into their their will to create something that is not ascribed to temporality. And also a, another thing that fascinated me, maybe this is common sense now, but I don't know if it was at the time, it's how they approach technology and ritualism and uh, uh, occultism. Like normally we wouldn't face these things as too close to each other, right? I feel like... In most places, we make like the this comprehension of technology being this super rational thing, and for me, the, these efforts in in these first parts, this exercise of self self identity, where you have these fictional accounts, and then the Cthulhu Club, which is, is this part where Burroughs comes into, and also some other characters as well, it's. It's like almost they're trying to go into all sources of knowledge and write in the mythology of technology. It feels like they really want to bring like, whoa, this is not something new. This thing is happening through many, many years and maybe it will happen again. But they, they kind of really take technology out of time in a good sense, I think. Like we shouldn't look at technology only as something from now, right? Yes, and there is this magical power um, that was actually controlled by this one God universe. And it makes really... I think this connection with technology, it's very it's very um, interesting because, um, because it feels like the the past or this um that the past is the future and 
and it's totally connected with technology because it's it's um it's it, actually it's it's what they say like uh, ancestral technology because it's not only something that it happened the technology is not just something that it that we live today but that we we live it already in the past and somehow that will continue to be uh, developed into the future um, and the, there is this magical of and the time sor sorcery it's um, there is this is somehow this spirituality that keeps alive somehow and I for me I think one of the most interesting parts is just it doesn't mention the Christianity, the Christian way of of living, but for me it's totally they are against uh, the Christian uh, cosmology, and this is very clear for me because it's the Christian that controls and makes um, the other magical way of seeing the world impossible to live. Yeah, I feel they they don't go too much into exactly the the word Christian, but it, it, the the source of this would be there for sure, because when they talk about one God universe, they they say that uh, it's like the defeat of this one God against many, right? And this yes. this idea that it can only be one or at least that succeeded historically it's christianism right and that there is a, a very interesting link I, I don't know if you if you read this specific test um tradition of rupture tradição da ruptura uh, from otavio paz and when he talks about the the time of modernity and he talks about linear time he talks specifically of that coming from christianity So I think it's it's a nice link on, on understanding how the normalization of a chronological time at a time that has an uh, that goes until there is an end, right? There's this apocalyptic end, but which only goes forward, which only goes to the end. Uh, it, it it really is a text that uh, deals with that pretty well because he's gonna say about how in Buddhism or in other kind of beliefs and uh, time is never chronological and it's never forward you're always living in circles right uh, you're always living in so in in this spiral time uh, the, there's hardly sometimes the, a distinction between past uh, present and future because they believe that the future is going to be replicated by the past uh, by the the Yeah, the past is going to be replicated in the future, and the past is always lived as the present. Because then, then you have the question of rites, rituals, that, well, it's something that CCRU borrows a lot from as well. I just thought now where the separation between technology and ritualism began. Maybe we need to step behind. When we consider the One God Universe perspective, we deal, of course, with Christianity even though they don't mention in the text, and so on with the historical rupture of science and religion. But may, many non-Christians cosmology understand these limits in a different way. When we feel a bit awkward about this connection, we have to remember that we look with the eyes of Western civilization. <laughs> 
which splits the rationality and spirituality, making it feel like those things don't belong together. CC, are you searches for this lack in some lost land outside Western civilization? Technology is everywhere, right? Experimented by humanity in so many different ways and time. When you mentioned some mythology of technology, another concept of ancestral technology came to my mind. But I'm still in doubt how deep is their argument and engagement with Lamour's of Madagascar. If they really reached this radical superstition, or even if they tried, they kept it, they keep it at some mysticism stereotype. But I think it's something that I have to keep searching for it. I feel like if you if you try to act or think in a different time, it's it's always gonna be impossible because everything around you it's it's all, it's not working on that way, right? Everyone is is in another rhythm. <laughs> Everyone is is still going through this idea of linear time, and I, I don't know. I think they, I feel they are seeking like a way out of time, a, a total way out out of time, right? There is this this part where uh, Burroughs speaks on. Let me fa find where he said it. But he says, oh, here, I think it's escaping control. On the escaping control section, um, there are some quotes that they use from Burroughs where he says that everything happens under time. And then he, he strictly puts that control, suffering, happiness, everything's happening based on how long days go or how long we see how they go, right? And uh, the, I think this is a, a part that, that helps on on thinking of this this question of is it even possible to escape on, on this kind of non-linear time? Maybe with artistic creation. I think the, I feel this is it's possible to at, at least make more, it more complex. Their own writing is always trying to to make us doubt, to make us wonder. But I feel it's. It's so, so hard to get out of this model, right? Mm -hmm. I think not only art, but embody it through performance and rituals. This is what Elena Martins will talk about in the text Performance in the Spiral Time, when she mentioned the ritualism of Congadas. Congadas, if you don't know, is an Afro-Brazilian cultural and religious festivity. The memories are carried not exclusively by the books and documents, but also through body and oral communication. So the rituals, rituals and ceremonies have a very important role, a key to access ancestors, communities and people, located in different time zones. So I think spirituality is a very important topic too, to mention through this process of time zone and tra tra traveling. Yeah, I completely agree that um, this question of spirituality is is like fundamental. I feel like in the case of, of the, the text we're seeing, it's almost like they're trying to build some kind of synthetic spirituality, right? <laughs> like we're basing these on, 
on Cthulhu and a lot of different traditions and like just merging it together. But I agree that with, with art, it I think it's possible to to at least try to create or uh, or have the experience an experience of fruition of wonder of looking into a piece of, of uh, into a work or maybe into a text and like I don't know I feel like every time that I read a, a compelling piece of, of literature it's almost like you're being transported right it, it's really only working on you but it's the, mo the moment you're reading you're somewhere else and you're like almost witnessing another at least another experience on, on how time flows so I feel they they really go to both spirituality and to the process of art making or experimenting with music because it really it has the potential to take you out of the, this time right I think this this is the importance of Burroughs from then not only this idea of being experimental for the sake of it but to break away from from this in some way <laughs> one of the the things that uh, it's addressed at some of the this beginning but they don't really go in full detail during the text it's their association with orphan drift which is this collective uh, that was based in london um, the collective was formed around 1992-1993. Uh, they were founded by two people, one of them being Maggie Roberts. For anyone interested in Northern Drift documentation, you have uh, Evert in the Virtual Since 1995, which is a talk of Maggie Roberts. And curiously enough, I mean, I, I think this kind of it's almost anecdotal, but it's it still looks interesting. Uh, I don't want to personalize uh, anything of the CCRU, but Land was trying to experiment with them in some way. Like if he he kind of made with this collective a kind of proto CCRU group. They were uh, two uh, undergraduate of the Royal College of Art, uh, interested in creating things that dealt with internet with cybernetics kind of um multimedia installations the use of digital college the use the use of video manipulation and then they have this event which they made together with the ccru uh, anyone that searches for it you can find it on orphandriftarchive.com and there, if you go at, uh, we have a little problem of pronouncing this word. Uh, we're sorry because we don't know, but it, it goes something as zizigi or, or zizig, uh, which was this event where they made like a, a four, four or three week exhibition on the Beaconsfield Center in London in 1998. And like Orphan Drift was responsible for the installations. They made like these college-like images of two of these gods, one of uh, two gods that are uh, that are present in the CCRU writings. They are Katak and Murmur. 
like they installed this and then they played with the pneumogram, which is something <laughs> which we, we can't deal with today because it's too complex. But like there is this example of uh, an art event which try to blend uh, what what the CCU, CCRU was searching and make a kind of artistic and practical application of it. They played with these cabalistic systems and made a lot of video projections. And I don't know, not only looking at how this was made, um, how I, I wanted to ask like another question. How do you feel that these enterprises work in another case? Is, is it possible? Why is field reproduction so, so divorced from actual exhibitions? Because as artists, we know that most of the conception between, uh, are behind the exhibition sometimes have an academic feel, but we hardly have um, academicians and researchers trying to approach uh, more closely the artists, right? Or what is the artist's creation, the artist's rhythm? And I feel this is one of these cases, right? Where they try to... Well, not, not, let's not only use theory as an appendix, as a way of reading into the works, but let's make a creative exchange between the works and theory, right? It's not like they were trying to apply these concepts only, but they and we're working together and I feel like this is very rare I don't know if it's only the Brazilian case but I feel like it's much more divided uh, because they they see like all this production as the entire work and not only as a, a theoretical space uh, that is of course it is important but they they see as a work as a as a, a, a they see as a art as well and and actually when you look at the CCRU production there's so many details not only in the writing part but in the videos in the conferences and uh, the meetings and and also uh, in the each uh, person uh, production so um, it's very complex and and it's very um, uh, nice to see all these things actually t working together and not only a as a part or from each other I don't know yeah I feel like when you have um, an academic kind of group usually you you already search people with academic backgrounds or you only accept people like if you have some kind of selection it will be aimed at the kind of curriculum you have and what they were doing and it's I would say it's very inspirational on this point at least it's well some of their some of their members weren't even part of the university some of them weren't exactly researchers right we can see that here fury is not above anything but it's trying to to find ways into practical things as well they had um i found this very very curious and, and very cool too they had like this group of musicians inside ccru who would make the the breakbeats and the playlists for the events so 
there you already have like a constant dialogue between art and fury and usually uh, I don't know I feel like when it happens nowadays instead of a dialogue you dissect academically a work like you analyze academically or you use some concept academic concepts on your work but it's never that intimate right uh, in the next two episodes I think we will um, go further Yes, we, we intend then uh, to keep on reading both the CCRE book, but as well bring more contextual material so we can all engage with this uh, in a less ambiguous way, even though the ambiguity is really part of the fun of the writing. I advise anyone to to look at least in the first text, see what, what you get out of it, um, they are highly literary, they are highly, highly worked as almost as horror narratives, so they are fun to read. Uh, sometimes they might be a little bit confusing, but it's, it's still, it sounds for me like a very fresh way to write, in a way where you, you don't put something above the other, but the things are working together. Um, thanks everyone for listening until now. Um, we are... Eduardo and Erica, and we pretend to be give you monthly one episode where we are gonna be discussing freely, but based on on our meetings and based on this material about some questions on art, politics, and fury inside of groups and collectives. Thank you for listening until now. Thank you, and see you in the next episodes.